0: Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. So this morning, we are going to begin a new series called Follow Me. And of course, this series is not about you following me. This is about you following Jesus. It's about you responding to that invitation to follow him. And so this morning, as we open this message series, I want to talk to you on the topic, moving beyond belief. Moving beyond belief. Reminds me, I don't know if there's a whole lot of uh, 80s, early 90s Christian rock Aficionados in the room, but there was a, a band called Petra that wrote a song called Beyond Belief. Anybody know? Yeah, that was like my first cassette tape. And it changed my life. That's why I'm here today. No. Um, but it reminds me of that. But, but nevertheless, the principle is, is real. Moving beyond belief. And here's this main focus for the message this morning Believing in Jesus is where we all begin our faith, but that's never supposed to be where we end it. Believing in Jesus is where we all begin, but it's never supposed to be where we end it. Let me just break it down further. Belief is a stage of your journey with Jesus, but it's not the end of your journey. Believing in Jesus has to ultimately transform into following Jesus. Some people stay at belief, but the invitation is not to believe alone. It's to follow, moving beyond belief. Beyond belief, just for some of you guys that they don't know. So with that being said, let's let's go ahead and close our eyes, pray, and then we'll we'll get into it. God, I thank you for your call to follow this journey of discipleship. God, for this month, as we talk on this focus in this series, I pray that you would ignite in our hearts a fresh passion to follow you. A, a fresh passion to, to go with you where you will lead us. God, speak not to our minds this morning, but to our hearts. Your word says that where whatever we treasure is where our heart is. So God, I pray in this series, you would cultivate in our heart a treasuring to follow you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, you can, you can go ahead and look on the screen. But I'm excited for this series. I feel like early January, I was just spending some time with the Lord one morning, and he gave me four different focuses. Now, that's the most exciting way for a pastor to get a series. Just to let you know, in advance, unless you're Pastor Dwight, and it's that morning. He he lives for the excitement of just the morning. Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Let me give you a little bit of context. The heading over this passage in my Bible is titled, Four Fishermen Follow Jesus. Say that ten times fast. Four Fishermen Follow Jesus. Okay, these four fishermen are the fishermen that you saw in the video. It's Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Andrew happens to be Peter's brother, and we know from uh, the co- what we know in the New Testament, we know that they were familiar with Jesus, okay? Some of you may not think that, but they were familiar. They knew who Jesus was. How do we know that? Because we know that Scripture tells us that Andrew especially was present because he was a follower of, he was a disi- disciple of John the Baptist, and so when, if you remember in Scripture, where John the Baptist says Jesus is coming, and he says, "Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world," and then he baptizes Jesus, Andrew was present for all of those. Okay, and so Andrew especially is uh, aware of who Jesus is. So Jesus was not like he didn't just come out of the bushes like, "Hey." No, they knew who he was. They were familiar with this. Keep in mind, Jesus is John the Baptist's cousin. Okay, so there was some familiarity. But verse 16 says, As he, Jesus, was going along by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me. Turn to somebody and say, Follow me. Come well, you can do better than that. Say, follow me. There we go. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will, I love this. I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you become. You know what I love about that? Take the pressure off yourself. Do you know what Hebrews says? Fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of your faith. If if your eyes are on Jesus, guess what will happen to you? You will become whatever Jesus wants to make you. As long as your eyes are on him, Millie Jarvis told me this years ago, scripture says, if you see him, you become like him. As long as your focus is on him, it's only a matter of time before he can begin to shape, it, shape you and sharpen you up, to make you whoever he wants you to be, to be. Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And watch this in verse 18, very important. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 19, going on a little further, he saw James the son of Je- Zebedee, and John his brother, who were also in the boat, mending their nets. In verse 20, immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they went away to follow him. How many of you have ever heard, now, I, 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 listen, one of the things I love about Redeemer Church is we have a lot of intelligent, smart people in the room, which makes me step up my game. But have you ever heard of the law of first mention? When you study the Bible, there's this law. It's called the Law of First Mention. Has anybody ever heard of that before? Yeah. Okay, let me, if you don't know what it is, I didn't expect a whole lot of people to, to, to know this. It's uh, kind of the nerd side of me that I would remember that. But let me explain to you what the Law of First Mention is. This is what it is. It basically means that anytime a word or a phrase appears for the first time in Scripture, it it is an incredibly important and significant moment. Any word. So like love. Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. In Genesis 1, it says that the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. That was the first moment in all of Scripture Holy Spirit was mentioned. Now what that does and why it's incredibly significant is is it creates now an understanding of, of what words or phrases mean for the rest of the Bible. So you see Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, and you see the original meaning, and that becomes the framework by which you're supposed to understand who the Holy Spirit is from that point on. And everything that you come across about the Holy Spirit in Scripture builds on that basis. Does that make sense? If you're with me, say I'm with you. If you're, with me, if you're not with me, don't lie. Okay, but here's here's the point. Anytime a a word or phrase is used for the first time, it defines the way it is supposed to be understood throughout the rest of the Bible. Now, we have a lot of words in this passage, but let me explain what's going on here. What we see in Mark chapter one is not necessarily the law of first mention, but what we see is what I like to call the law of first interaction. These guys were interacting with Jesus on a different level. They had been around him, but this is a first interaction. But the principle is the same. Listen, in this moment, we see four young fishermen interacting with Jesus, and we cannot take lightly what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is defining in this interaction... The type of relationship with him that everyone who calls Jesus God is supposed to have. The invitation from Jesus to Peter, Andrew, James, and John was not to merely believe in him. It was to follow him. There's a big difference here. The type of relationship with Jesus that we are to have with him is not supposed to just be believing It's supposed to be following. Jesus' invitation to follow him was a move beyond just believing. Hey, I know you you heard what John said about me being the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, but you have not followed me yet. You may believe that, but you have not followed. Listen to this. Every follower believes in who Jesus says he is but not every believer is actually following Every follower believes in who Jesus says that he is, but not every believer is actually following him. Okay, there's a difference between just believing and following, and some of you may be thinking, Man, he's kind of ranting on believing in Jesus. What's this all about? Well, I want you to, to, to hold on to this question. The question for everybody in the room is this. Do you believe or do you follow? Do you believe or do you follow him? Turn to somebody and say, follow me. Let me tell you why believing in Jesus is not enough. Because scripture says that even demons believe in Jesus. Okay, let me just stop right here really quick. I, I want to I clarify something. You don't need to follow Jesus to enter into eternity with him. Because the thief on the cross had nowhere to go. All he had was belief in the moment, and he said, remember me when you enter in? And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. However, this journey called life, however long you live it, belief to follow. you got to move beyond belief. And we'll get into it today, and we'll get into it for the rest of the month, because there are things here that only followers do in this world. And if we don't follow and we just believe, it doesn't get done. Listen, not everybody who believes in Jesus is actually following. And the reason why this was not enough for Jesus, for you to, you and I just to believe, is because even demons believe in Jesus. Let's look at James chapter 2, 19. This is the brother of Jesus writing this. You believe that God is one. Let's, let's stop right there. James was saying, hey, good job that you acknowledge that there's one God because not everybody actually acknowledges that there's one God in the world. You believe there's only one God. You do well, but the demons also believe that. They, they know that to be true, they believe it, and they shudder, they are afraid of it. But let's transition to verse 20. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, That faith, you know what faith is? Belief. Faith without works, what is works? Without obeying the teachings of Jesus is useless. There was a problem that that James was addressing. It was that there were these people who believed that Jesus was who he said he was, but they were static. They were not moving. They were not following. They believed, but they were not doing anything. And James says, hey, listen, we're not getting religious in this moment. I'm not trying to be religious. What I am trying to say is this, is that if Jesus has truly transformed the condition of your heart, that leads to action. It leads to movement. You can see the fruit in someone's life. He said, even the demons believe in shudder. What is James saying here? He's saying that the difference between you and I and a demon is not whether we believe, it's whether we follow Jesus. Whoa. (laughs) Let me say that again. This is what James was saying in essence. You and a demon are the same if you don't follow. Whoa. Go ahead and just get your black marker out and just, you know, cross that one out because it hurts. James was saying, what's the difference between you and a demon? You believe he's God, but you're doing nothing. This is what he was saying. Listen to me. Believing is not enough because it wasn't enough for Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. And there's a cost that has to be counted to follow him. You know what following Jesus is? This is the truth. Following Jesus is the best decision you can make and the worst decision you can make. It is the best decision you can make and the hardest decision you can make. We, following Jesus will not always feel like you're living your best life. It will feel like you're laying down your best life. You you will feel like, you know that's the truth because some of the stuff you laid down in your fast and you were feeling miserable in the middle of it, I would much rather have this than fast it. We have to follow him. And there's a cost To follow him is to count yourself as a disciple. Follow and disciple are interchangeable words. And disciples pay a price that believers don't. Jesus cautioned the people on the cost in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 30. Let's talk about this. A large crowd was following Jesus. Now let me just, let me stop right here. If they're following him, let's just say it this way. If they're following him, they're more than believers, they're disciples. So they've already, in the process of following, they have become disciples. But you know what Jesus does? Jesus likes to test if you will still follow him from time to time. So they're following him, and he just stops and has a conversation. Let me just check your heart real quick. Do you know that... The moment you begin to turn to Jesus and follow him is not the last time that he will refine and question the sincerity of your devotion to follow. It's an over and over and over again. You know why? Because as you continue to follow him, there will be things that he will want that you haven't given up yet. And he'll say, okay, you gave me this. But what about this? Ooh. And there's a decision again. Do you follow or do you just stay there and remain a believer? Some people started out as followers and now they're just believers. I used to follow. You know what happened in 2020? A lot of people became believers that used to be followers. Because that shifted it I don't know if I'm going on anymore. Following Jesus. Listen to the price. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Whoa. Your devotion to me must be greater than your affection for everyone else. Your father and your mother. Then he lays it out specifically. Not for your interpretation. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. Does that mean that you neglect your relationships to be a husband, to be a father, to be a a mom and a dad? No, but Jesus following him is above that. You know know one of the places that you make that decision is when your kids want to dictate your schedule. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord. If you've got a baseball game on Sunday morning, guess what you're not going to? If you have a sports event, guess what you're not going to? Because we're following Jesus, we're not following your schedule, okay? That's just a practical example because I love Jesus more than I love seeing you hit a home run, okay? And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, You cannot be my disciple. But watch this, verse 28. Jesus is like, hey, if you didn't do this at the beginning, let me encourage you to do it again. But don't begin to follow until you count the cost. For who would begin the construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. There's a cost to following Jesus. Let me tell you about one of the things that I do in our baptism class. I make every person who gets baptized, and we have another group getting baptized the first week of March. If you want to get baptized, join the group. We have a meeting the last Sunday morning at 9 a.m., last Sunday of February at 9 a.m. in my office. You can sign up to be baptized at the back. But one of the things we talk about in the baptism class is this. We live in an amazing country where you have the freedom to be baptized, but I want you to understand the gravity and intensity of what you're about to get into. There are people in other places in the world that know when they put their faith on public display and get water baptized, they instantaneously are becoming a target of persecution, and the act of doing it could cost their life. Because they are choosing to unite with Jesus in water baptism and say, there is no turning back. If I lose my life because of what I'm doing right now, it is worth it. And I try to get them to understand, look, you may be getting water baptized, but let me tell you about the gravity of this act throughout the world. You are joining with other people that may die because of what you're doing this morning. And if it wasn't powerful, why would people lose their life for it? If it wasn't causing something in the spiritual realm, why would people lose their life? for just doing that it's just water it's not water it is jesus's death and it's jesus's tomb and you are uniting in him when you do it one of the things that we have to understand is that people have to count the cost but let me just tell you this the cost does not compare to what you gain when you follow him It does not compare. It may hurt in the moment, but who do you gain? You gain him. Listen to what Philippians said. Paul said this, but whatever former things were gains to me, he was not talking about working out. Whatever former things were gains to me, watch this, as I thought then, I thought they were gains then, but I'm on the other side of following him and they, were, they are not gains now because I've gained him. He says, whatever former things were gains to me as I thought then, these things once regarded as advancements, I have come to consider as loss, absolutely worthless. Why? For the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given my life. Verse eight, but more than that, I count everything as lost compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him. A joy that is unequaled. For his sake, I have lost everything and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ. The cost of following... Cannot compare to the gain you have in Jesus when you follow him. Moving beyond belief. So what did Jesus mean when he told these, any questions right now? Like, what if we did that? What did it mean when Jesus told them to follow him? What were the implications of that? The first thing is this. Follow me was an invitation to come and obey. Did you notice that he didn't ask them to follow him? He commanded them to follow him. Jesus didn't say, will you please follow me? Jesus was like, Jesus wasn't like, I'm really insecure about myself and I'm just looking to be affirmed by having a group with me will you please join me to feed my ego? No, he said, follow me. He didn't say, will you please? Let me tell you, you know what else he didn't do? He didn't say, listen, I know you believe I'm Jesus. I'm going to give you a week, go and pray about it, seek the Lord, and then just come back to me in a week and let me know if you'll follow. No. He didn't approach them saying, will you follow me? Jesus didn't even beg them. Even the chosen scene that we just watched didn't fully capture the essence of the invitation that Jesus had when he said, come and follow me. Let, me. let me break it down to you. It didn't fully express the passion and the urgency. The word follow in the Greek is the word dute. Somebody say dute. That's your Greek lesson for this morning. What did you do at church? I learned Greek. Man, that's an awesome church. I know you should come. No, I'm kidding. Dute. You know what it means? Come right now. You got you to hear it. Come right now and get in line behind me. He wasn't like, just come. Peter and Andrew, right now. James and John, come right now and get behind me. Get in line behind me. Let me, let me give you a, a real example of what that looks like. If there's anything that irks me as a parent, it is how long it takes my kids to get ready to leave before we leave. Somebody say amen. You can give your kids a half hour. Look, Zeke. Zeke. Get your shoes on, get your water, and your jacket. Say it back to me. Say it back to me. Yes, Dad. And I'm all excited, and I believe it, as if it's really going to happen. We get to the 30-minute marker, and it's like, okay, let's go. Hold on, I gotta get everything. What have you been doing for 30 minutes? You better come right now. Ain't nobody got time for you. You better go right now. You know, as equally as annoying as this. It's, it's this. It's, um, it's when you give your kids a couple extra minutes before you send them to bed. And then you're like, it's time to go. And they just want to lay down and drag it out. Boy, I gave you 10 minutes. You better go now. Ain't nobody got time for you. I'm trying to clock out. I'm telling you, the moments on a daily basis where I almost lose my salvation is between 8 and 8.30 PM. I'm just letting you know. You think it's funny. It is not funny. I gave you five extra minutes. I better not say it's bedtime and then you act like you're invisible and you didn't hear it. You better get your butt upstairs. And then they just over and over again come into the bedroom. If you're not dying, I don't wanna see you again. That's a real conversation by the way. Both Allison and I both have said, if you're not dying or bleeding, I don't want to see you again. You are banished. You're exiled from the bedroom. You're not allowed in here. I don't care, sleep at the door. You are not allowed in. Come right now. I don't have time to wait on you any longer. The time to follow me is right now. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. If you're going to do it, come right now. Listen to me this morning. Jesus' invitation was not a soft invite. It wasn't a, if you really want to, you know, just think about it for a while and then get back to me. No, it was a radical invitation to immediate obedience. Follow me right now and listen to me there was a reason why jesus was so urgent and passionate and you have to hear it this morning the reason why jesus was so urgent and passionate in calling these four young men to follow him right now is because jesus knows there is a gravitational pull on your heart and soul to not follow him the urgency is immediate because he knows that there's a pull in the opposite direction To not follow him. Years ago, there was a Nike commercial. And it stuck with me from that moment. It ends the commercial with this. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. And if there's an enemy of your, listen, there's an enemy of your soul that wants you to procrastinate in following Jesus. And stay in belief. He wants you to procrastinate day after day after day after day because he knows that there will eventually not be a tomorrow to actually follow him. And you will have spent your whole life living for yourself. I'll I'll just do it tomorrow. No, now get in line behind me because I know what's pulling on you to keep you in belief, to keep you staying where you are. I'm preaching like I just got off a fast, y'all. He knows the gravity on the other side and the wrestling that's going on over the destiny of your life. Why does the scripture say in Mark 1.18 that they immediately left their nets because they had no other option? Jesus wasn't going to stay around for them to vacillate and consider it. No, come right now. It was now or never, and the only response he would accept was their immediate obedience. Now, this isn't anything new for Jesus. Jesus wouldn't call them to a radical following and then give everybody else time. Everyone who Jesus commanded to follow him had to choose immediately immediately to obey. Matthew chapter 8, verse 21 to 22. Another of his disciples said, Lord... First, let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me now and let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Whoa, that sounds rough. But how many times have you sensed the Lord asking you to obey something and you gave too much time to it and you never did it? He knew if you go back, You're never coming. If you go back to do that, I know that you'll get caught up and you'll never follow me. This was the standard for everyone who would call themselves disciples. Follow immediately. Because the moment we think and we waver and we end up not doing it, Jesus wasn't playing with them, and he's not playing with us. we got to move beyond belief and move on to following following him. If you're wondering this morning whether or not you are a believer or a follower, the answer to that question is determined by how obedient you are to follow him. How obedient are you to applying God's word in your life? How willing are you to listen for him? Let me just tell you, some of us don't want to hear God speak. Because we know that we'll have to do something. So we would much rather just stay busy. And you know, I'll do, oh, well, I, bless God, I do this, I do this, I do this. But have you actually sat with him to see what he's saying? Well, no, I know why. One of the reasons is you don't want to hear what he has to say because there's a cost to it. Moving beyond belief are the things you know that he has told you to do and you've been living your life as if he didn't say them. The moment a person goes from believing, from being just a believer to being a follower is when they begin to intentionally obey the leading and teaching of Jesus. How do you get how do you how do you stay a disciple? By the same virtue. You stay a disciple by continuing to be obedient, to follow him. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus was saying to the disciples who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, what does that mean? Continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then you are truly my disciples. One of my favorite quotes ever is from Charles Finney, a revivalist during the Second Great Awakening. I love what he said. He said, do you want to know what revival is? Revival is simply a return to obedience. (laughs) You know what that means? That means that our modern understanding of what revival is actually shifts. It's not a sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. It's the body of Christ being individually obedient to the voice of the Lord, acting on it, and that produces revival. When we are obedient to follow, the fruit is revival. You want to know what revival is? It's simply a return to obedience. What did Jesus mean when he told those young men to follow him? He, he meant this, come right now and obey me. There are more things that, than that, that I will get to for the rest of the month. But here's a question this morning. What causes people, and this is where I'm going to wrap it up. What causes people to never move beyond belief? What causes people to never move beyond belief and and, and into following, to just stay there? There's a couple of things. There's a couple of things, but I'm just going to focus on one. I want you to see this picture. It's a social media profile. This is not an actual one. Jesus doesn't have a Twitter, but... There's something that this communicates. Listen, what is one of the reasons that causes people to never move beyond belief to actually following him? Here's here's what it is. We treat Jesus as if we chose him instead of understanding that he chose us. We treat Jesus like a social media profile that we just click on. And then when we don't want to follow anymore, we click it off. But nobody in the room chose him. He chose you. (laughs) I got to be honest. There was an old song by uh, going back a little bit. Anybody know Delirious? Okay. A song we used to sing all the time, I found Jesus, wrong. You didn't find him, he found you. But if you think that you found him, who's following who? Jesus came to them and said, follow me, not the other way around. You did not find Jesus, you were found by Jesus. And that changes the nature of the relationship that we have with him. See, on social media, you choose who you follow. You can choose to follow and choose to unfollow whenever you want, but Jesus is not like social media. Jesus chose them, they didn't choose him. He came to them commanding them to follow him, not the other way around. Why does that matter? Here's why. When you think you chose Jesus instead of understanding He chose you, then Jesus is here to serve you instead of you being here to serve Him. You can begin to believe that God needs to obey your wishes instead of realizing you need to obey His leading. When you think you found God and you found Jesus, then the moment Jesus wants you to obey something that you don't like, you quickly dispose of him by clicking the unfollow button. And There's a danger in thinking that you chose Jesus. The danger is believing that you have the option to follow him or not. There's a danger to believing that you chose him. The danger is believing that you actually have the option to remain a believer and not move on to following. The law of first interaction. Follow me. Don't stay at belief. Follow me. I want Serena to come up and I, I'm going to have her share a quick testimony about someone that someone that God chose. Will you welcome Serena up as we...
1: Nervous. Um, A lot of you don't know, I work at a 30-day drug and alcohol detox center. I was doing a group one day last week, I wanna say it was Saturday, and the lady said, how am I to believe in something I can't see? How am I to follow something I can't touch I told. I stood up. I told her my testimony. I told her, you know, you can't see him, but you can feel him. Mm. He he touches you in the heart and in your spirit. So I came to church the next day, which was Sunday. Prayed for the lady. Um, went back to work Monday. The first thing out of her mouth to me was, "Praise the Lord." I believe, Serena. I had a breakthrough, and I know the Lord is real, and. I believe in him now. Mm. She um, wasn't able to talk to her kids. That Sunday morning, her daughter called her. So she now gets to speak with her daughter and her grandchildren. Mm. And she hasn't been able to do that for months because she's been out on the drugs and she's been homeless and they didn't wanna have nothing to do with her. Practicing tough love. Mm -hmm. But now she believes. Mm. And I wanna give honor and glory to God Because without him, we wouldn't be.
0: Mm. Amen. Why the testimony? Because that's not an isolated situation. Jesus found her. She didn't find him. Jesus found her. She didn't find him. He's the one that's seeking and saving the lost. He's the one going after people. He's the seeker. He's the finder. And when we misunderstand the relationship we're in, thinking we found him instead of understanding he found us, then we begin to change the terms of the relationship. We begin to think we can follow when we want and when we don't want. But we've got to move beyond belief to following him. Let me remind you as we close of what Jesus said to his followers. Mark chapter 1. In 16, verse 14 and 16, you are my friends if you do what I command. Here we go. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. That's you might be obedient. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will gladly give you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.